Greetings, listeners in listener land. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, government, and sports. I think I need to add a little bit more on that one. Probably do. We originate from and connect the Gateway City to what's going on regionally, nationally, and internationally. Mark, how are you today, sir? I'm okay. And you you know what? In that intro, I think you should say, "Can uh, Arnold can leap, leap buildings in a single bound. <laughs> Tall buildings in a single bound. <laughs> Look, up in the sky. And faster than a speeding bullet. It sounds like, uh, I, although I would never... Uh, More powerful than a locomotive. It's all coming back to me now. I, I would never equate myself with Superman. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. Well, thanks for asking. I'm doing well. I am doing well. It is a... Uh, <laughs> I think the, the weather rolls dice. Okay, and what are we going to do today? Okay, we'll be cold. Okay, we'll be hot. Okay, we'll be rainy. It will snow today. So that's that's where we are, folks, in St. Louis right now. We had 72 degrees a couple of weeks ago, and now we're going to be like 15 tonight or tomorrow night, something like that. <laughs> uh, typical, it is winter, though, so I think we right. have to uh, think about that. And there's no global warming. Uh, I just thought I'd throw that so in a little, little climate change. Yeah. Maybe a little climate or change. Climate change, weather, yes. Climate change. Better, better way to say it. So here is uh, a thought for the day that uh, t- to think about. Winning doesn't always mean being first. What? I know our sports teams love to win, and this is a thing that goes along with youth sports. Uh-huh. And I see this, you know, dramatically taking place where it, it's winning at all costs. Uh-huh. And I, I watch these basketball uh, youngsters playing. They're, they might be like eight or nine years old, and they're trying to be just like the pros with right. an attitude mm-hmm. and and everything like that and it's like yeah. just learn the basics of the game <laughs> and learn how to be a really good sport because yeah. good sports know how to lose yeah yep. they 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 know how to win but they really know how to lose yeah yeah and so losing's actually a good thing because it makes you it should make you mm-hmm. self-reflect oh, yeah. how should i go back and do this better so that i can achieve more mm-hmm. so that i can uh, improve my performance and you know, you're always going to come up against somebody that's better than you are. Yeah. There always is somebody out there. But it should make you rise to that occasion. Right. And uh, I remember when I used to teach band and we'd go to competitions. And it's like if you try to think that you want to win all the time mm-hmm. and you're satisfied with your performance, what do you get? You're, you should always try to be, this is the best performance I could do on this particular day. Mm-hmm. And let the chips fall where they may. Right, right. That right. should be the way yeah, it goes. Right. It's, and hence, it's not if you win or lose, it's how you play the game. You know, be good sportsmanship. It, it is. I hate to use all these <laughs> little cliches. Trite but, cliches, but, but they are. They are. It, it makes total sense. Man. Well, it, make, it makes sense with our guest today, too, because he is uh, in a, a play that I, I find very fascinating. The, the name of the play is Every Brilliant Thing, which, you know, if you just think about the name of that, <laughs> it, uh, it, you know, evokes some kind of thought process uh-huh. of, of you know, this is interesting. I wonder what this is about. But there's some little twists and turns to this. And Will Bonfiglio is our guest this morning. Will, how are you today, sir? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. The New Jewish Theater is going to be presenting this uh, play. It started yesterday, March the 16th, and will run through April 2nd. How did it go yesterday? 
It went well. It went well. I think we had we had a really lovely audience, um, and it was nice just finally getting a chance to you know share it with with a group of folks that uh, weren't just in rehearsal you know with me the whole time. So it was nice to have some some fresh eyes on it. And this play is is a little different in that you're the only performer on that. I would I would put that in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Am I correct with that? What? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Um, while while it is like a one man show, um, the audience. Has, has a bit of a role as well. Um, they have a variety of different kind of uh, parts to play throughout the show. There are a few roles that the audience might have to uh, help me with by, you know, me giving them some lines, things like that, to play certain parts. Um, but a lot of people in the audience will receive, like, a, a note card that has something on them to, to say during the show that corresponds to the list of brilliant things that I that I heard throughout the have fun. So, so yeah, so you just don't go like in the middle of like I'm picking you out in you know row W and seat number three. They <laughs> no, they actually no, have something ahead of time. Yeah, m- everyone pretty much does. There are a few parts that are a little more on the spot, but those are I, I try to vet those you know early on so I get a sense of who who might be willing to play and who doesn't. I try to you know nothing should be coercive. Everyone should should be able to consent into doing it or not. So I try to suss that out from the beginning. Now it it sounds like because of of something like that, that this would be like a humorous kind of funny thing, and I'm sure there are moments like that, but the the whole play itself is very serious and has a serious tone to it. Would you kind of describe a little bit about, you know, what this is about? Sure, yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. It, it's, an, it's an interesting balance, I think, of, of humor and, and kind of reflection and sadness, because the play really is about um, this boy who, when he uh, was seven, his mom attempted suicide. And so his way uh, to try to connect with her and help her um, was to create a list of everything brilliant about the world. And so um, he has this list of brilliant things that, that he develops, and then this list he keeps adding to throughout his life and throughout her subsequent attempts. And it's this really piece about gratitude and about um, you know what what we find worth living for really and so while the the list and the play is you know surrounded by this this idea of of, of suicide and depression which you know are ideas that have affected all of us um, it, it has this this real kind of life affirming piece to it you know and this idea of gratitude and and a lot of funny very joyful moments as well and so I think you know it, it's it's hard to find that balance, but I think this play does a really nice job of that. And the the storytelling kind of element of this, with this interaction of the audience as quote unquote performers, how do, how does that flow back and forth so you keep the story storyline element moving uh, constantly? Yeah, it's you know it's really well scripted in. Like, there are only a few parts that, like, the audience actually, you know, have to kind of play. Like, okay. certain folks in the audience will have to play. And and I I feed them lines. I, you know, tell them where to go. So things like that. So it allows for a pretty, you know, there are definitely some variables depending on who, who it is each night. But there's a way to keep the story moving by way of, of the lines I'm feeding them and things so that everyone gets, you know, the same pieces of the story. It just may be presented a little bit differently each time, depending on who uh, from the audience is, is in those parts that night. Now, now you're an accomplished uh, St. Louis actor. You've received three St. Louis Theater Circle Awards, mm. and you're the director of Coca Biz. Wow. And you've kind of worked with uh, Ellie, who's directing this, Previously, what challenges did this particular 
play give you in preparing for it and then even uh, last night when the first performance came through? Yeah, that, that is, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, you know, yeah, Ellie and I, we've worked together before, so we had uh, we have kind of a shorthand, you know, we love working with each other, and, and I, I think that that's helpful. Um, for this one, you know, there were a lot of unknowns for us until last night. We we tried rehearsing a lot of these ideas of, like, well, what if? You know, what if the audience does this? Or what if they say no? Or what happens, you know, if, if this person uh, doesn't, you know, say the lines the way we need to? Um, so we tried rehearsing for a lot of those variables, but I mean, until you have a, a sizable audience, it's, it's nearly impossible. And so, you know, last night was just like every other night in the last few weeks of rehearsal. We, I think, you know, we learned more. And I think as the show continues, we'll be able to keep um, just continuing to breathe life into it and live into it fully. Um, but, but I think, you know, uh, the rehearsal process was great in the we were able to experiment and try try things, you know, and try workshopping what some of those what-ifs might be. Now, this may not be a fair question because, you know, there's only one night under your belt, but I always wonder how performing a certain play impacts you as an individual, the role that you play. And this is, uh, you know, because of the content of this and, and what it's about, how has this impacted you uh, personally, mm, yeah, you know, I think I, I do think it's really, as I said, this is a, a topic that a lot of us have dealt with, um, whether in our families, with a friend, uh, a colleague. Uh, you know, I think it's a very universal topic, um, and it's one that we often don't think about or, or discuss. And I think the way that this play does it, and making us turn to gratitude and turn to these brilliant things. It is quite brilliant in its own way. Um, for me, you know, I think it's made me think more about that and what I've been grateful for. And as the theater, right, being able to do it in the theater, uh, performing in the theater again after years, right? I mean, we just hit kind of the three years anniversary of, of when COVID kind of was at the onset. And to be back in a space with an audience performing and telling stories is something I'm quite grateful for. And so um, the last show uh, I did right before COVID was, was a one-man show with Ellie at New Jewish Theater uh, in December of 2019. And then it was like the next thing we knew, you know, the world started shutting down in early 2020. And so to be back in that exact same space in community again with the New Jewish Theater audience and our um, it's just really, it's really moving, you know, I think there's a real beauty to it, and it's been really special to be back together as a team in that same space uh, for the first time, you know, since since we uh, did the last one right before COVID, and so for me, it's, it's really this idea of gratitude, and getting to live and be that gratitude by way of doing the show has just been, even though it's been one night, it's just been really special to be back. I, can, I can't imagine what mm -hmm. all uh, actors feel oh just being able to perform again like, right. like, you're, like you're saying. In front of a live audience again. Yeah, yeah. yeah just yeah. the thrill of that. Mm -hmm. And Describe for people who may not uh, have been to the uh, Wool Studio Theater, what, what is that like? How intimate is it? Like they may know about the rep. They may know about Opera Theater St. Louis. They may know about Coca. What... What's that theater like? How close in proximity are they? You know, they may know about other kind of theater venues, like down in Grandel Square area. Yeah, it's a great space. It's really neat. It's um, kind of a, flat, a flexible space, like a black box theater. And so it's much more intimate and smaller. 
But it's it's cool because if you go to see, you know, two different shows in a season at New Jewish Theater, um, the stage could be set up entirely different in the space, as well as the seating. So it's super flexible in that um, it can change kind of from one wall to the other, or you can go from having more of like a, you know, audience on maybe two of the four walls. Um, for this one, we have what we call like a thrust stage. So the audience is on three of the walls, and there are about maybe three or four rows of audience on each wall. And then the, the rest of it is the playing space in a way where I'll kind of be. Um, but it's, it's neat. It's intimate and it's lovely for a piece like this where you're telling a story as a community and in community. And I think that that uh, works really, really well for this. But it's, it's lovely. It's a cozy space. Um, it's one of my favorite spaces to work in in St. Louis. Um, and it's very different than, yeah, these, these kind of big, big stages that a lot of folks are used to. So uh, definitely come check it out. I, I, I highly recommend it. Even if you don't come see every brilliant thing, uh, I recommend you checking out the Wolf Studio Theater at some point. And I want to ask you, describe what you do at Coca Biz. I know you're the director there. What, what exactly sure, does yeah. that entail? And, wow. and what, what happens there so people can you know put that on their calendar also? Sure, yeah. So I, I work with, uh, like, arts integration, arts learning as uh, an, ed- an educator. And so what we do is we take kind of what COCA is best at, you know, it's, it's arts teaching. Uh, and we take the, that and those great teachers into workplaces and lead uh, professional development trainings on things like uh, public speaking. We teach uh, how to be a better storyteller. We teach design thinking. We teach uh, all sorts of things. We do a lot of workshops in kind of the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. And so all of it is based on the arts, and it's super different and fun and experiential uh, than like a typical kind of PowerPoint, you know, professional development training. Uh, and so that's, that's super fun. And one of the designers actually on Every Brilliant Thing, Beth Moynihan, who did our scenery and our lighting design, she uh, is a teaching artist for COCA Biz as well. So she teaches some design and design thinking courses for, for COCA. Now, I know, you know, there are classes like that in high school and in some middle schools. I know the universities have theater classes. My, my question goes to something that you just said about what you do at Coca Biz, and it relates to what you're performing in Every Brilliant Thing, is the ability to, you know, public speaking. And it leads me to thinking about, like, speech and debate and those kinds of things. It seems that th- those were... I want to say back in the day, many years mm-hmm. ago, speech and debate teams were very popular. Right. And now they've kind of gone by the wayside. Mm-hmm. But it, it allows you know, individuals the opportunity to really learn two sides of an issue and express that. Do you have anything like that that you do at, at Coca Biz? Yeah, we definitely have a, a series of workshops around the idea of how do I how do I tell a story? You know, how do I tell a story with impact? How do I listen? Um, we have a few different workshops that teach those types of things, uh, and then you know we have one really about how do I think about my audience when I'm telling a story and connect my my body and and kind of my presence to my voice, my message, and be able to convey what I want in a very um, kind of convincing and, and commanding way. Um, but at the same time, uh, we do have ones, yeah, which are about like the power of listening and being able to actually hear what, what someone is saying, you know, and understand it and take it in and be able to respond to it. And so I think you make a great point, you know, where we've 
with technology, it might be the, you know, the culprit of it, but it seems like we've turned to this space where it's, it's like everyone just is in social media, kind of in the, in the, the cloud, you know, writing what they want and not really listening or responding. It's really just writing, writing, writing and talking. And I think, how do we, you know, find that, that type of conversation again? And so, to, you know, to your point, these, these pieces that we had in school that no longer uh, are here, I think we're, we're doing ourselves a disservice, you know, as a community. We need to have conversation. We need to be able to listen to one another. And so um, I, I think the, the arts uh, provide a way into that. And I think it's great that, that even workplaces now are, are noticing that as well and trying to, to allow their teams to have that type of learning experience. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in Tune. We're talking with Will Bonfiglio. He is the actor in Every Brilliant Thing, which is being performed currently through April 2nd at the Wool Studio Theater. That's 2 Millstone Campus Drive. And tickets are available at 314-442-3283. Will, one last question here. Do you have a favorite line or a portion of the play that you know, kind of sticks in your mind. Sometimes you read a, a poem or you read a book and there's, uh, you know, something that just jumps out at you and you memorize that and it becomes this, I don't want to say a mantra for you, but it's something that you can identify with personally. Is there something like that in this particular play? There are, there are a ton of good parts. It's hard to pick one and there are a ton of, of really brilliant things uh, in the list that we talk about throughout it. But I think one of my favorites is probably... It's number 1,092, which is conversation. And I think, um, you know, it, it just feels like the perfect bow after what we after what we just talked about and being able to be here with you this morning. But I think, you know, being able to be in a space and have conversation and share it again in community after these years of a really, really trying time uh, that, that I think led to a lot, you know, the, of depression and these issues that, that the show uh, is about. Um, but I think it's so important to be together and being able to share in that again and the joyous moments. But um, it's just, it's really fun. Everyone has a has a different favorite thing, I think, by the end of the show. And everybody should go check this out. It's at the Wool Studio Theater, again, 2 Millstone Campus Drive, all the way through April 2nd. Individual tickets can be purchased at 314-442-3283 or go online at, the, at newjewishtheater.org, newjewishtheater.org. Will Bonfiglio, thank you for coming on St. Louis in Tune. We greatly appreciate your time this morning, sir. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Very nice. Oh, I should have asked him, does he have to do any kind of uh, costume changes? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Being an only guy. Yeah. I know. I didn't think about that. Or set changes. Who does that? Does he do that too? (laughs) He might. You know, I love the idea of this interaction and kind of improvisation with the audience. I love it. So you get a card and you've got to do whatever you. That's your. That's that's your part. Because maybe this is some individuals. They're like, I've been waiting for this moment all my life. You know, I can be on the stage, although I I have to sit in my seat or right, something like right. that. Maybe they do get on stage. I, I really don't know that's that. That's kind of fun. I knew. I I'm reading here from some information that I have that uh, they play real characters, including a veterinarian, oh, a school counselor, and even a love interest. Ooh. So there's a mm. twist there. So the audience members do or bring or happen to have in their pocket is also based. That's what the improvisation is. Based oh on. no! So okay, <laughs> yeah, got to watch what you bring to the. Uh, play. Who knows? Right? Who knows what you've got in your pocket right now? I wouldn't even. I don't know. I we ought to ask that sometime to our guests. What's in your pocket? <laughs> What's in your pocket, Mark? I have a I have a pocket knife. Wait, I'll tell you. 
I have some business cards. It's like, what's in your wallet? I know. <laughs> I have uh, some of my medicine. <laughs> I don't have much medicine. I have my pocket knife, and then I have uh, my hook. Okay. I've got a little hook. Depending on where I go, it's it's one of those hooks you can instead open of, a door. Yeah, instead of grabbing the mm-hmm. door, if mm-hmm. I go in a bathroom or a public mm-hmm. bathroom, I'll mm-hmm. use that hook to. Uh, right. I know. I don't want to get into that, but <laughs> but that, I got my hook. No, I get you. I get you. I always you. have my hook. I lost my first hook. This is my second hook. Okay. I'm on my second hook. Do the kids call you Captain Hook? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a couple other things they call me too. Yeah, I've just got keys. Do you only have keys? I, I you have, travel light. Well, I have keys. Yeah. Yeah, you travel keys light. in my wallet. Yeah, I have to say, I I never uh, carried a pocket knife ever for a long, long time. Uh, even being in scouts for years, and my brother gave me a pocket knife one year for, uh, for and it's just a simple pocket knife, you know. Gave me one, and I use the thing all the time. And now I got to have a pocket knife, and I got to remember to take it out when I go traveling, right? Because it's just not going to go over well. It, at TSA right well it it reminds me that I'm reaching down I'm feeling in my pocket and I do have my box cutter with me because that's a a little yeah there's some there's some boxes I I need to take out and put in the recycling and Uh you know it's easier than just trying to kick them or rip them you know it's easier to do that and I I forgot to take it out of it's crazy to have a cutting something that cuts things how much you use it for oh yeah I just I I always think about wow I mean lots of things yeah all the time I had I just had no clue you know I for years I never had a pocket knife you know that's for old okay now what's in your socks (laughs) (laughs) hang nails (laughs) (laughs) the visualization I know I know and they're green no I'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) they're really long and oh oh yeah I. You know, in <laughs> when we come back, you know, we're not going to go to break yet. But when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about this play in a, in a, in the serious manner of which it was. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when you talk about depression and and suicide, and I want to mention some things that if people have that issue going on or oh, yeah. a relative, there mm-hmm. are some resources, and I want to mention some of those resources. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to mention a word of the day. Oh, is this I, a new feature? I, yes, it is. And I forgot to do it on the show that we recorded yesterday. But, right. Um, this this is a a new feature, folks, I, yeah, of the show. I think we've done it a couple of times. Yeah, but, and uh, I need to kind of get in the habit of doing it. Yeah. Maybe put it on the front end of well, the or yeah, something. It takes a while, yeah, and then once, once in a while. Get in yeah. the rotation. Yeah, yeah. once you get the, uh, the hang of it there. But Gala Nipper. Gala nipper. Hold on, right there. It's, okay. it's, say it again slowly. Gala nipper. Gala nipper. And okay, you want to spell it? it? I will spell it because okay. it's not pronounced like it's spelled. Okay. It's G A L L I N I P P E R. Gala nipper. I would think it would be pronounced gala nipper. Yeah. But it's gala nipper. Gala, gala nipper. Okay. And it's uh, it could be various insects that sting or bite, especially like a large mosquito. Is that where the nipper comes in? I guess so. Okay, just asking. I, you know, I don't. Ask, I didn't take Latin. I'm asking for a friend. School, so I didn't want to take it. No, I didn't either. Uh, <laughs> so gala nipper, folks. That's like wow. That's a big gala nipper there, and people will look at you. It's a large, large insect that bites or stings. That's like a big mosquito. Say. Yeah. Uh, and we're getting into the 
gala nipper season. We are, and they love me. They they love my blood. I need to write this down. Gala. I'm wondering why there hasn't been a sports team called the so and so mosquitoes. Oh, or the gala nippers. Yeah, or the gala nippers. That would I be like the gala nippers personally. I like the gala nippers. Yeah, I, I hope I remember. I should write down the gala nippers. Yeah, that's a, that's I, a really good word. I like you know, we that can word. increase people's vocabulary. I like here. that word. I, yeah, impress your friends. Absolutely. Yeah. By you, you don't be a gala nipper to me. Right. Don't be some large, blood-sucking, stinging, large mosquito insect to me. And folks, people evaluate you the moment you open your mouth. That's right. As soon as you start spewing, you know, if you said, oh, that's a gala nipper over there, they're going to go, holy, this guy is educated. I need to get my thesaurus <laughs> out. <laughs> Who is this guy? A gala nipper. Wow, we need, I know. <laughs> we need the dictionary around this guy. I know it. Well, that's verbose. Okay, it's very prolix. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a break right now. Gala nipper. I like yeah, gala we'll nipper. come back gala for our next gala nipper okay. segment. All right. So uh, you're listening to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston on the U.S. Radio Network. Thanks for listening to St. Louis In Tune. On each and every show, we strive to bring you informative, useful, and reflective stories and interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people, places, and things. Hey, we cover a wide range of content in the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, and humor, justice, and sports, and that's just to name a few. While St. Louis In Tune originates from the Gateway City and covers local topics, we connect to what is going on nationally as well. If you missed any of our previously aired programs of St. Louis In Tune, simply visit stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. There you'll find every show from our first to our most current. Use the search engine and look for a show that might interest you And if you have an area that you'd like us to examine deeper, let us know. Just drop us a line at stlintune at gmail.com. That's stlintune at gmail.com. St. Louis In Tune, heard Monday through Friday on the usradionetwork.com and many great stations around the U.S. and, of course, right here in St. Louis. Our website again is stlintune.com, stlintune.com. This is Arnold Stricker of St. Louis In Tune on behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation. In 1857, the Dred Scott decision was a major legal event and catalyst that contributed to the Civil War. The decision declared that Dred Scott could not be free because he was not a citizen. The 14th Amendment, also called the Dred Scott Amendment, granted citizenship to all born or naturalized here in our country and was intended to overturn the U.S. Supreme Court decision on July 9, 1868. The Dred Scott Heritage Foundation is requesting a commemorative stamp to be issued from the U.S. Postal Service to recognize and remember the heritage of this amendment by issuing a stamp with the likeness of the man Dred Scott. But we need your support and the support of thousands of people who would like to see this happen. To achieve this goal, we ask you to download, sign, and share the one-page petition with others. 
To find the petition, please go to dreadscottlives.org and click on the Dred Scott Petition Drive on the right side of the page. On behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation, this has been Arnold Stricker of St. Louis in Tune. All right. Arnold's dancing now. Break dancing. <laughs> Welcome back to St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with the Gala Nipper himself, Mark Langston. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, we just learned a new word. Gala Nipper. Gala Nipper. It's a... Could be a variety of insects that sting or bite, but like a large mosquito. Mm-hmm. Honey, go go slap that go <laughs> go, go kill that bug. I wonder if it, like a bumblebee or yeah. a uh, wasp. Oh, I guess that could be a gallinipper. Quali- qualify for that? A right. gallinipper? Yeah. Right. Heck yeah! Oh my goodness! I never thought. Yeah. Wasps. See, we, immediately mm-hmm. I think of mosquitoes. Yeah. And how much I hate them. Oh, I hate them too. What are, I'm always try to figure out what good is a mosquito. I know birds, some birds eat them. That's probably the only good that comes out of a mosquito. Right. Honestly, is that it can feed the birds eat them. Yeah. That's it. And I understand, uh, what are the purple Marvins? They love them. Mm. They say put a purple Marvin house up, you know, one of those condos that the yeah. purple Martins have, cause, and, and attract purple Martins. If they'll come and, and stay there, they'll stay there forever. They'll, they're right. But they eat. They love mosquitoes. They eat mosquitoes like crazy. And those are the ones where the the houses are really high. Yeah, and okay. it's like two stories. Yeah, and there's yeah. yeah there's the, if you get purple martins in, there, and a lot of people don't, but if you do, they're going to eat all the mosquitoes. You in know, your, I in have your better luck when I get my blood drawn than when a mosquito gets me. You know? Oh my! It's yeah. like even on a semi bad stick. And I always worry about you know their little mosquito noses where they they poke things where was yeah. that nose before it stuck in you yeah yeah wow or when you swat one and then it just there's blood all oh there. where'd that come from yeah. whose blood is that yeah is that that rat's blood down the street yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know if that's you a were on that mouse out there yeah you? oh my gosh that's disgusting or the, yeah stop this is so bad. Let me see. So every brilliant thing we just got done talking to Will Bonfiglio. <laughs> he is the actor in that particular performance that's going to be playing right now, actually, at the uh, Wolf Studio Theater at 2 Millstone Campus Drive. For tickets, 314-442-3283 or newjewishtheater.org. And that particular play has a... It's about one man dealing with his mother's depression and ultimate suicide. Mm. And then what happens when, as an adult, he has to come face-to-face with his own depression. Mm. And I wanted to mention, folks, that the it's very sad. there's a crisis line out there that people can call. Uh, maybe if you are experiencing some depression and have some suicidal thoughts, you know, you can call this number Arnold, because if- it is very, very helpful. It's 988 988. It's the National uh, Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Right. And here's some interesting stats from that, Mark. I found this. Can I can I just interject real oh, quick? Oh, yeah. Uh, if it, 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 it's so hard. I think people that are thinking of suicide, uh, I don't know if they're going to pick up the phone and call. Right. But if you know someone that you think is yes you know help them call yes call yourself maybe they can give you some advice on how to help that person yes so don't rely on the person that that, person right yeah that's thinking about suicide take a little you know help someone else that you think might be slipping into that 
and it's recognizing signs. Yeah, and we see, we see yeah. and hear a lot of suicides today. Some of that is from drug overdoses, mm-hmm. non-intentional, uh, based upon right. you know whatever they're taking. But some of the stats I I saw from the nine eight eight lifeline, and again it's nine eight eight. It's called like nine one one, but it's nine eight eight. Just in January of this year, just in January, there were. 450,000 calls and contacts and calls to veterans and vets out there you know who are struggling with this 66,000 that is just unbelievable and when you go down to you know how how fast they were answered and the average con the average contact time for calls was 13 minutes for just a chat was 23 minutes for a text was 48 minutes, the average of all those 21 minutes. Wow. So you can see that this is just not some lightweight kind of, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to do this because it's it's the thing to do. No, this is an important uh, hotline. It's, it's sponsored by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. It's SAM, H-A-S-A.gov, S-A-M, hsa.gov and or you can do the 988 suicide and crisis lifeline we've done show on suicide matter of fact our guest had suicidal tendencies Mm -hmm. and um, Mm. it's important to recognize some signs Uh wanted to put that out there make that uh, announcement for that they have a lot of resources out there but reach out to people there's uh, a lot of good assistance out there if you see a family member or you see a friend struggling and maybe has these tendencies and you know coming out of covid i tell you what oh yeah the whole thing with social media and teenagers mm-hmm. social media just needs to now this is this is arnold stricker speaking okay right just needs to go away oh yeah it just needs to go away mm-hmm. and parents if you're not in tune no pun intended here that this is St. Louis in tune. If you're not in tune with what your child has in their hand, on their phone, mm-hmm. in their bedroom, on their computer, you need to find out. Right. You need to find out what apps they're using. You need to find out what websites they're using. Mm-hmm. And it's not prying into their business. Mm-hmm. It's you protecting them from other predators mm-hmm. and from other kids who will become bullies and harass them. Mm-hmm. And it's just degrading to uh, self-esteem and self-worth. And ultimately, we see a lot of teen suicides. Matter of fact, there was an article, and I'll mention this. I thought it was very interesting. And and some people, it's like, what do you read, you know? Or what news do you listen to? Do you listen to CNN? Do you listen to Fox News? Do you listen to MSNBC? Do you listen to this? Do you listen to that? Mm -hmm. It's like... You know, I like to listen to both sides, right. but I like to listen down the middle. Okay, right. so so here's the thing. If I'm down the middle, mm-hmm. somebody on the far left thinks I'm conservative. Right. Correct. Okay? If I'm listening down the middle, somebody on the far right thinks I'm liberal or progressive. Correct. Okay? It's sad. So yeah. I'm going to give this to you, it's not- and I will tell you where it's from. It's from a group. It's from a, uh, the, the editor is from a woman who used to work for the New York Times, okay? okay? And everybody can think whatever they want about the New York Times, okay? That's that's however you want to think, <laughs> okay. all right? But the article, 
I'm, I'm looking it up right now, folks. Mm-hmm. Just be be patient with me. Here it is. It's from the Free Press. Okay. The Free Press is kind of a trying to be both sides. Okay, we'll read both sides. We'll talk about both of the. And I like that. Yeah. Because that's yeah. having a discussion. That's kind of like yeah. the debate thing. Mm-hmm. I'll find out about the good things about it. I'll find out about the bads, and then I'll have to be able to present whatever's given to me. Right. Which makes, I think, you a more well-rounded person. Oh, yeah, more informed. So this particular article is entitled, Why the Mental Health of Liberal Girls Sank First and Fastest. Ooh. We are a decade into the largest epidemic of adolescent mental illness ever recorded. It's time we started treating social media like automobiles and firearms. Mm. Unless you live in the state of Missouri. (laughs) Then you can be a two-year-old and carry around an AK-47. I know, I know. Let's not go there yet. Let's do a show on that, though. But uh, <laughs> uh, this particular person, it's a very long article, very well researched, has has graphs about uh, where kids are with with how things are impacting them and their what I, I don't want to say their political mm-hmm. positions and things like that, but what things they believe in, what they listen to, and then how that impacts them right. personally. Right. And that's done through social media. And very, very interesting. So parents, find out about what your kids are listening to, what they're reading, mm-hmm. what, they, what apps they have on their phone. Mm-hmm. Do they need a phone? Right. Okay? It's like, yeah. my gosh, some parents are like, well, I need to get in touch with my kid whenever I oh. need to do that. Well, why are you calling them during school? Because they're in school. Right. Right. Aren't, don't you think they should be learning at that time right. rather than you interrupting right. everybody else's right. learning right. so that you can ask them some, my words, dumb question? And let them be on their own a little bit. Find, oh, find their way. And if you're going to talk about this with your 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 child, I would say, you know, don't come in like... Guns well, are blazing. Yeah. What's on your phone? Yeah, give me your phone. Yeah, let me see what you're doing. What are you? What are you, what are you no, no. To engage them. Talk to them. Right. Listen. Oh my goodness, listen. Because I think somewhere along the line, you're gonna things will surface, and and you'll you'll go, oh, maybe that's something I should ask a little more about. Maybe I should dig over here a little bit. You know, in marketing, you gotta talk to your kids. That, that's exactly right. You know, it's kind of like going into a a room and everybody's got their head down oh, this device in front of them. I can't stand it. And it's like nobody talks to anybody. But here's here's a point that I want to make and for uh, you parents out there because <laughs> some of you parents and I say this in a kind way. <laughs> some of you parents are as guilty if not more guilty oh, yeah. than your children. You oh, are yeah. teaching your children how society should not act. Mm-hmm. Because when you read some of these like community forums on right. Facebook, mm-hmm. Or you read some of these on Nextdoor or all of these social media platforms. The adults act in a heinous and egregious manner. Right. And maybe you need to check the definition of some of those words that I just mentioned. <laughs> and it's not a large mosquito that will sting you. <laughs> it's not a okay, so, gallinipper. Yeah, not a gallinipper. All right. So it, it's kids learn things, uh-huh. and they're watching their parents engage in these kinds of behaviors mm-hmm. or say these kinds of things. They think it's okay. And they think it's okay. Yeah, like that's how it should be. So when it happens to them, the children, mm-hmm. who are they going to go to? Mm-hmm. But the parent goes, say, well, you just you just text them right back and uh, tell yeah. them blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah. uh-uh. You know? Uh, yeah. No. That's why we have communities that are at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. That's why we have groups of people that are at odds with each other. That's why we have... 
you know, political affiliations that are at, at odds with each other. That's why we can't get anything done in uh-huh. our government. Yeah. One of the reasons. Yeah. 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 Personal opinion. Uh, well taken, though. <laughs> it's well taken. We we were at dinner the other night, and I looked over at a table. I don't know why I remember this. Everyone at the table, they were all young, too, had their phones up, and they're looking at their phones. And then the, the people, I'm not going to say, but they're driving with the phone right up while they're driving. It's oh, up. That, I hate that. It's right up to where they can see out the, out the window and look at the phone at the same time. Right. Can't do it. No. I don't do it. No. I tell my kids don't do it. No. We eat at dinner and it's like, you know, come on, get off the phone. They don't eat, They don't get on the phone, though. Yeah, they're, you they're, keep my, it in your pocket. My, my boys are good about it. Thank goodness. Knock on wood. I think people are looking for affirmation mm-hmm. of maybe something that they've posted or a right. photograph or seeing if somebody's dissing them or yeah. just, you know, information you know, overload. What do you do with it? Yeah, people want to be recognized. That, that's uh, human nature. We all want to be recognized, you know. It's just the way we are. I'm sorry, that our buildup. And I think, you're like you say, it's an affirmation. It's mm-hmm. like I sent something out. I want to know if I'm being recognized or not. How many likes did I get? Yeah. The- Parents, you want to recognize your kids? Tell them you love them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Put your arm around them. And they might, like, bristle. <laughs> they and they might go, why did you say that? <laughs> I get that all the time. Because are you, are you demonstrating that or are you just saying that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And kids, yeah. the older kids get, the more that they could say, I love you, too. Yeah. You know? It takes them a while. They got to go through a little stage there, right? You know, then they come around. Yeah, they have to be at least uh, in their thirties, so go, so that executive oh, function has kicked in. You know, all that stuff is connected up in the head. And the uh, that's right. The, that's, the that's exactly right. I wanted to mention something with baseball season coming up. Uh oh, crack of the bat. Here we go. I thought this was very interesting because I've been seeing some things where. Some of the batters and pitchers are kind of a little upset with managing this clock now. Oh, yeah. You know, the batter now has to, has only so many seconds to get mm-hmm. ready. The pitcher has so many seconds to get ready. I was watching yeah. something where the batter, the umpire was not behind the plate. He was getting some balls, balls from the ball boy. Uh-huh. And the batter was kind of being polite, waiting, uh-huh. and then stepped in the box, and the umpire went, oh, that's it. <laughs> and it's like... And that batter was like, "What, dude? What's what's wrong with <laughs> you? you? I was just, you know." So, and I remember when I was a kid growing up, ball games were like two hours. Yeah, especially when Bob Gibson was pitching. Oh my! You know, he didn't mess around. No, you know, he got he the didn't. ball back. He looked at McCarver and he pitched the ball. Wow, that's true. That was it. That's right. And if you weren't ready, you might get hit in the head. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So in none of this, I, I've got to adjust my gloves fifty oh. times, flip my bat, you know, knock my cleats, you know, draw something in the in the dirt, you know, look at everybody, and you know, spruce myself up, you know, give myself a little puffy. So I want to read something to you. A little puffy, okay. This is by uh, a man named Roger. I think it's Engel. Uh All right. He says, uh, the American obsession with sports is not a new phenomenon, of course, except in its current dimensions. It's excessive excessiveness. Mm-hmm. What is new and what must at times unsettle even the most devout and unselective fan is a curious sense of loss. In the midst of all these successive spectacles and instant replays and endless reportings and recapitulations, we seem to have forgotten what we came for. 
more and more, each sport resembles all sports. The flavor, the special joys of place and season, the unique displays of courage and strength and style that once isolated each game and fixed it in our affections have disappeared somewhere in the noise and crush. Of all sports, none has been so buffeted about this unselective proliferation, so maligned by contemporary cant, or so indifferently defended as baseball. Yet the game somehow remains the same, unadulterated and comparable only with itself. Baseball has one saving grace that distinguishes itself for me at any rate from every other sport because of its pace and thus the perfectly observed balance, both physical and psychological, between opposing forces. Its clean lines can be restored in retrospect. Now, he goes on. This is, this is maybe a little dated, and I'm going to go right to the end of this article Okay. because – I remember, you know, sitting again like three hours and fifteen minutes. What what are you guys doing down there? You know, right? I, and I know media has has a play in this too. Like, sure. oh, we're broadcasting these games. All of our people have to have, you know, Bally Sports, which is now, you know, declared bankruptcy, which the Cardinals bought into. You know, yeah. and now everybody can't watch baseball. Right? Um, you know, it, it's it's the, all about the money. So right. here's the last the paragraph. Money. The last dimension is time. Within the ballpark, time moves differently, marked by no clock except the events of the game. Well, now it's marked by a clock. (laughs) This is the unique, unchangeable feature of baseball and perhaps explains why this sports, for all the enormous changes it has undergone in the past decade or two, remains somehow rustic, unviolent, and introspective. Baseball's time is seamless and invisible. A bubble within players move at exactly the same pace and rhythms as their predecessors. He says, this is the way the game was played in our youth, in our father's youth, and it's changed. Right. The game has changed. Right. And, you know, it's like going to the DH. Mm-hmm. And I don't have an opinion on that one way or the other, mm-hmm. but I thought National League, when the National League had pitchers right. bat, uh-huh. you had to be a much better manager right. than an American League. Right. Now, it extends the career of some individuals. Right. You know, gee, I'm... 55 years old, I can still slug some home runs. I can be a DH somewhere. Right, right. And then you see all the pitchers. And I think maybe, Mark, that with expansion Mm -hmm. came this less than average performance. Right. Because when you had a few teams, man, you had to be good or you weren't there. Right. (laughs) And the pitchers who pitched and everything, uh, they were on top of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And you had to be on top of the game. And the game was enjoyable. And when we played... The game, we didn't, you know, I didn't, you know, knock my cleats or we didn't have gloves back right. then. You, no. you endured the smack on your hands, you know. <laughs> and, you know, you'd go chase the ball over the fence because it was the only ball that you had. Right. So stuff like that. So when we get into now, we have to have clocks to make sure the game speeds up mm-hmm. or things like that. Or the guy's going to take the, the long, mm-hmm. slow walk from the bullpen to get in because it's all about him. Or these right. guys are such head cases. These relief pitchers, it's that's what I call them, and maybe yeah. they're not, but it's yeah. like, you know, just get in there and and if you got a hundred mile an hour fastball, throw it. Yeah, throw it. Right you know, down if, the middle. if that's your if that's your deal, just throw it. You right. know, if oh, you yeah. got a curveball, throw it. Oh yeah. So, you know, that's how you do it. Yeah. yeah. I yeah I I understand I guess a little bit why they're trying to uh, speed the game up maybe, but. 30 seconds isn't it like 30 seconds for a pitch i think it is it's like uh, maybe a little more time than that like if you got to do this uh, you know and it, there has to be a compromise i'd make it at least like a minute <laughs> you know if you want to speed up the game you know i don't i don't know i'm, I'm kind of i like the way it, 
has been. I'm not a big guy on changing stuff. Uh, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, you know, I don't know. No, I, I I agree with that. There there is no time. It is good to go to a baseball game. Forget about everything. It's a whole different time. You know, like you say, it's it's you know, if you got to put these restrictions on them, why do they have to be so so short? You know. I mean, heck, I, I'm thinking to myself, if I was a pitcher, 30 seconds, come on. <laughs> you know? Well, you know. That's a lot. I mean, that's quick. Yeah. That's a. That's like. Then you get into the umpire thing where, yeah. you know, the umpires, they, they some of them have some huge egos and they don't even know where the strike zone is. Right. And it's like, I didn't pay all this money to come watch you throw somebody out of the game. Right. I, I came here to watch them play baseball and you call a game. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know. It's not about you. I didn't pay my money for you. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see my my heroes <laughs> play the game. All right. So I'm going to go quickly into some um, a funny thing here. No. And then I think we're going to call it a show, Mark. Really? Yeah. Oh, But we do have something more, right? Okay. Yeah. You got something funny? I have something funny. This is from when Prime Minister Mori was Prime Minister in Japan. Okay. A few days ago, Prime Minister Mori was given some basic English. I think Mori, he was Japan. Mm -hmm. Basic English conversation training before he visits Washington and meets President Obama. The instructor told Mori, Prime Minister, when you shake the hand of President Obama, say, How are you? Then Mr. Obama should say, I am fine. And you? Now you should say, Me too. Afterwards, we translators will do the work. It looks quite simple, but the truth is this. When Maury met Obama, he mistakenly said, who are you, <laughs> instead of how are you? Mr. Obama was a bit shocked, but still managed to react with humor. Well, I'm Michelle's husband, huh? <laughs> then Maury replied, me too, huh? <laughs> and there was a long silence in the meeting it. room. <laughs> now you're talking. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's that's michelle laughing <laughs> that's pretty good that's the pistachio gallery that's a good one right all right okay i, I thought we you know that's good no i think that's great <laughs> who knew Lang, you know language language oh yeah you know it's like translating oh. something and you know why did you put that on your head you know i know <laughs> I don't know. I translated it wrong, I guess. Yeah, you probably did. Okay. <laughs> well, that's all for this hour. Thanks for listening, folks. Don't forget, when the Martians invade, there's only one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. St. Louis in Tune is a production of Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network. For St. Louis in Tune co-host Mark Langston, I'm Arnold Stricker. Remember to walk worthy and let your light shine. <laughs>